Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. My name is Priya Darshini. I'm Shama Sangeeta. And my name is Shama Lee. And you are joining us. We just broke down the nuggets of wisdom from the intro, the introduction. And I'm excited for this one because this is the first time that we're going to actually dive into chapter one. We've talked a lot of <laughs> yeah. like introduction stuff and setting the scene, but this is chapter one. This right. is the official start of the Gita. The whole the story is about to unfold. Yep. And so we'll give you a quick recap of the setting of the scene, because if you're just joining us, you have you, you might not have any background on why we're on a battlefield. Right. <laughs> so there's this battlefield that's happening. If you ever look at a Gita, you'll always see these two characters, Krishna and Arjuna, and they are on a battlefield. And I've always asked myself when I was a kid, I was like, why, why is everyone fighting? Why, what's going on? And so just a quick recap. There are two evil brothers, right? Sorry, sorry, one is evil, one is good, right? The evil one is known as Evil D, Dishrashra, mm-hmm. right? And the good one is Polite Pandu. He's the good brother, right? Mm-hmm. So these two brothers are, um, they have a bunch of kids. So the evil the evil brother has a hundred evil sons. Right, basically the apple didn't fall far from the tree with their offsprings. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and the good brother- <laughs> I thought you were going to say 100% of them. 100% are evil. Um, and then the good brother has five good sons, right? Mm. And then there's essentially the good brother dies. So King Pandu dies. And now it's a, it's the story of like, who's going to inherit the kingdom and all of the evil family members don't want to give any land to the five good Pandava brothers. Was it that they said not even enough land to drive through a needle? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's all they they were. They were asking for like little villages for their families and they were denied. And And they were the rightful heirs. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. The other one would be like the equivalent if a dictator came over and took over the whole country and was immoral, unjust. As a citizen, you would want someone to come and take the rightful throne. Mm -hmm. Right. And the the worst part is they're not just citizens. They're related. Yeah. You know, they're family. So this this battle is essentially a a family battle, you know, you're, you're battling your cousins who are evil on the other side. And then you have Krishna and Arjuna. And so we'll get into chapter one, um, just briefly, but we also did the introduction. Shamla, do you want to take us to the main points of the introduction? Right. So basically now we're at an exciting point. The battlefield is set. We have both sides represented by the Pandavas, the crews, justice, injustice, Dharma, a Dharma. And basically, the pre- previous episode, we went through the introduction, laying out the nuggets of wisdom that are key to our bhakti yoga philosophy. The fact that we are not these bodies that are just like jackets that we go putting on and off, but we're something so much bigger. And if we can just tap into that transcendental realm and do our duty, they're laying out basically the system to reach this state of inner peace and happiness. Right. And I mean, it also sets the scene in for in terms of how we should go about understanding this book and what mood we should be trying to listen to this and in, in the mood of uh, wanting to learn and 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 what what was the word we used? It was really well described. You remember Shama? I was like in the in the mood of surrender. Uh, devotion. Oh devotion. devotion. That yeah. was the right word. The mood <clears throat> of devotion. We're we're just uh, wanting not to challenge everything we hear, but rather be open and understanding. And there's so much more to the introduction. If you really want to find out more, please go check out that episode. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move on to chapter one now. This is the official start of the Bhagavad Gita 
where we're actually taught, we're actually having characters talk and engage with each other. So this is Krishna and Arjuna. And so we are on chapter one. It is called Observing the Armies on the Battlefield of Kurukshetra. Should we do the invocation real quick? Yes, we shall. Let's do it. Ready? Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha all right, and that invocation is just to thank our spiritual teachers and our gurus who have passed on this knowledge, and we offer them our all our rec- our respectful obeisances. So, without further ado, chapter one, um, text one. Priya, do you want to take us away? Oh my goodness, let's do it. Dhritarashtra said, "O Sanjaya, after my sons and the sons of Pandu assembled in the place of pilgrimage at Kurukshetra, desiring to fight, what did they do?" God, okay, so there's, there's so much going on here. Oh, wow. <laughs> who is Sanjaya and who is Dhritarashtra? Refresh. Okay, so as we remember from previous episodes, Dhritarashtra is also known, I like to call him, as Evil D, right? So he is one of the evil brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Not only blind, as we said, in the senses, but also with his sense of morality. Yes, he's blind. So he was actually born blind, right? Yeah. Also, I mean, yes, you said e- one of the evil brothers. It's the only evil brother. Oh, the only one. The only one evil. There's only two brothers. One of them is evil. Okay. There we go. There Just we go. is the evil one. Okay, got it. Yeah. And so who is Sanjaya? Basically, he's like his personal assistant advisor. His secretary. His right? secretary. Right. <laughs> Sanjaya is also gifted in this situation to see past, present, future into people's hearts. So he's able to relay every single perspective and event that's unfolding live in this battlefield. So it's like Sanjaya has like an Oculus headset and he can like basically see the future and the past. That's right? right. And so like exactly. he can basically, he has like some sort of interesting power where he can see see what's going on in, in a place that's not where he is currently. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, what one thing that I wanted to just talk about is like the way we're going to kind of go on in these chapters is we're going to read the text. So the English translation, you, as you can see that there's like the Sanskrit, then there's like the literal word by word Sanskrit like translation of each word. And then it goes into like the translated sentence, right? Just the bolded part. The bold yep. part. And then it goes into the poor part. And I just wanted to kind of clarify what what is all of this, right? So the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Sanskrit, right, was spoken by Krishna. And then we got the translation so we could understand it because, you know, there's only one person in this room who understands Sanskrit and it's not the three of us girls. <laughs> it's our sound engineer. <laughs> our amazing sound engineer. Um, so then furthermore, um, the purport was written by Srila Prabhupada, who is the writer of this book. And it's to give us more context into what was happening in the situation. It's very literal. There's no speculation. It's just, you know explaining further for our understanding. Right. So, so did, I, did I give that a fair yeah, explanation? Yeah. yeah. So basically when we're, we go through the entire text, so the, the audience will get a sense of, oh, we've gone through the entire story and we're choosing the, the little golden nuggets from the purport that we think puts into context. Yep. So I love it. So he says, oh, Sanjaya. So he's asking his secretary after my sons, my evil sons <laughs> and the sons of Pandu, which is my my good brother's sons, were assembled in the place of pilgrimage at, pilgrimage at Kurukshetra. So Kurukshetra is actually a real place in India that you can visit right now. So this right. is not like a fable or a myth or like a story. This is a real thing that happened 5000 years ago in a place that you can still visit today. That's right. And so he said, desire, desiring to fight, what did they do? So basically he's asking, because he can't see, 
He's using <laughs> his buddy Sanjaya, his secretary Sanjaya, to, to show him, like, what are what did they do? And beyond all the big names that sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around, this is a father also, evil, yes, but wondering, is my son alive? Has he been killed? Like, what what's is happening? going on? Yeah, that's yeah. real. That's a really good point. I think I want to talk a little bit about the poor board and some of the things that are kind of given here. Um, the first thing that I sort of stood out to me is um, Prabhupada is giving us kind of sort of instructions and guidance and how we should go about um, reading the Bhagavad Gita. And it says one should read the Bhagavad Gita um, very scrutinizingly with the help of a person who is a devotee of Krishna and try to understand it without personally motivated interpretations. Right. So we just like like we were saying before, we want to come in with the sense of devotion. Devotion, right? And it's quite a mystical process, also, because I know in my experience, probably we can all relate. When you read this at different times in your life, I know a few years back, maybe I didn't understand as much. I took out of it a different amount than I am even nowadays. So as we grow and elevate our consciousness, we absorb different things. It's kind of like we're graced with the knowledge and the insight to understand this ancient secret in a way wisdom. Right. And 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 if we do it with a devotee of Krishna, someone who loves Krishna, mm-hmm. we can understand it to a much deeper extent yeah. sometimes, right? right? Like we can like get so much out of it. Yeah. Like we said, the mood really affects what you take out of it. 100%. And so what I remember when reading this book like 10 years ago, when you told me chapter one, I like closed the book because I was like, what is going on? I don't know <laughs> any of these people. I don't know what's happening. Um, but I think that it's important to know for Dishrashtra, like, I think he's the cause of this whole war, right? Because is, yeah. he purposely didn't want the any of the, the his brother's sons to inherit the kingdom. You know what I mean? Like he like set all of this up to separate his sons from the others, the other, their cousins, basically. Right. With that, going off of that point, it's interesting because even Dhritarashtra, it says the father of the Kurus was highly doubtful about the possibility of his son's ultimate victory. So he He didn't even believe in his sons. He didn't even believe in them. (laughs) I think he wanted to believe, but he just ultimately knew like right and evil and how these things kind of work out. And I really love that the purport gives us an insight into like what they were thinking, you know, like they're the deep, meaningful, because we, we read the text and we're just like, oh, he just asked like what they're doing, but we don't really know what he's thinking. And now we get a little mm-hmm. bit of an insight. Um, I, I, there's another part that it says he did not want to compromise between the cousins and the brothers. He really did want his sons to come out victorious, but he kind of knew they weren't going to be. Yeah. He's a little instigator a little bit. He's like <laughs> instigating this battle. And he was actually so nervous because it's important to mention Kurukshetra was fought in a place of worship. That means it favored justice, everything, the lands, the it's a holy place. Yeah. It's a holy place. So he became very fearful about the influence of the holy place on the outcome of the battlefield because he knew deep deep down in his heart where the hearts were of his evil sons. Yeah, he right. knew his sons were evil. Yeah, and I mean, he's also known that Pandu and his sons were virtuous, that they were pious, good people, and therefore a religious, like, spiritual place is going to affect mm-hmm. based on So right, he knew that. deep, deep down that his sons were going to lose. Oh, yeah. All right, so we ready for text number two. Yeah. Chapter one, text two. Sanjaya said, O king... After looking over the army arranged in military formation by the sons of Pandu, King Duryodhan went to his teacher and spoke the following words. Okay. Who, so the tensions are on? building. They're all trying to assess the battlefield. Duryodhan. Who is Duryodhan? This is a new character that has been added. Okay. So we know Dishrashtra. Yes. Evil, evil. D. Evil, evil D. <laughs> <laughs> we know Sanjaya, his secretary. And then we've introduced this new character. So Duryodhana is um, Dhritarashtra's son. 
his his is it his eldest son? Yes. Yes. yes, yes okay. Yes. Perfect. So he, so Duryodhan is the eldest son of the evil king, and he's the most evil of all of them. Yeah, he's the antagonist of the story, yep. and like he's going to be brought up over and over again. So I. Whatever mnemonic, whatever thing you need to remember, Durjodhana is Evil D's son. <laughs> you know, they both start with D, Evil oh, D But there's doubled. so many names that start with D, so. <laughs> and as we go adding more and more names, it might become more convoluted. But, you know, to give you an insight, when Duryodhana was born, there was all these evil omens that appeared. They even, it was in his destiny that he was, bad news, no good, get rid of this one in the crop. <laughs> I actually believe that, I mean, anyways, if you want to learn more about that, you can learn so in the Mahabharata, which is a whole other story um, that is kind of set before and after the Bhagavad Gita. Right. So bringing us to text three, oh, was there I'm, anything else on text two we oh, wanted so, to ask? Yeah, so yeah, Duryodhana talks to his teacher, right? Right. So his teacher is a is a character that's mentioned in the purport. His name is Dronacharya. And the way I remember mm. this is like Acharya means teacher, but it also means like, like I mean, it doesn't mean, but it sounds like archery a little bit. <laughs> so Dronacharya is like the, the teacher that taught everybody in the family how to fight, how to be an archer, right? So that's how I remember Dronacharya. So Duryodhan, evil Duryodhan, went to his teacher. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting also to see here a little bit of the insight. It says Duryodhana was very diplomatic, but he could not disguise the fear he felt when he saw the military arrangement of the Pandavas. Oh, yeah. right. So like, he's like, he's you know, cocky and he thinks he's going to win, but there's still fear. It's a huge deal. Right. And grandfather Jonacharya had trained, like Shama said, both sides, good and bad. Mm, yep. Both sides got his knowledge. And in fact, uh, the great archer Arjuna was one of his best students. Right. Love it. All right. Text number three. So, oh, my teacher, behold the great army of the sons of Pandu, so expertly arranged by your intelligent disciple, the son of Jupiter. Ah, this brings us to the point how he trained both of them. Yeah, so, this is the whole story. I, I think this story was so fun for me to read um, yeah. because there's like so much background to it. But before we go into the background, let's just kind of unpack there's a few a names, right? So so Durjodhana is talking to Dronacharya, which right? is the which is his teacher. Which is his teacher. It's like grandfather, like grandfather. army teacher. I don't know if you know, yeah. And um he's talking about the sons of Pandu. So we know that includes Arjuna, right? Um, and he's saying, look at how they're arranged by this disciple son of Drupada. So Drupada is a new character. Way a new character. Who is Drupada? Um, I'm about to tell you. Yep. You ready? Yep. So there's this whole story. This is the, the tea behind the scene. <laughs> Give okay? us the scoop. I got you. I got you. So Dronacharya, <laughs> who is the army teacher, right? Like, I'm just going to say that. I hope that Just helps. say the army yeah. teacher. Yeah. Army teacher. Yeah, <laughs> that helps. Okay. So Dronacharya, the army teacher, had like this political quarrel with King Drupada. Now, King Drupada is a new character, but he is connected to someone we've heard of before. King Drupada is the father of Draupadi was Arjuna's wife. So technically, King Drupada is... Arjuna's father-in-law. That's right. Boom. Oh, wow. There okay. you go. So King Drupada is Arjuna's father-in-law, and him and Dronacharya, the army teacher, um, had a political quarrel, okay? So this is all like, just we are they getting were beefing. the tea. They had a fight. Yep. All right? <laughs> <laughs> They're beefing. Yeah, that's right. And so because of this problem that they were having, King Drupada, so Arjuna's father-in-law father-in-law perform a great sacrifice so back in the day that's how you would do it you would go and perform great sacrifice and then you would get something positive out of it and in this case by doing such a sacrifice he received a son 
who would be able to kill Dronacharya, which is the oh, wow. army teacher. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lesson. Slow, Slow down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? So, so if, it, I, if I hear you correctly, right? Yeah. So Dronacharya... The army teacher. The army teacher was meant to be killed. By Drupada's son. By Drupada's son. Which he acquired by sacrifice. If this were like a series on TV, they're all in the battlefield and we're getting a flashback into all of like the beef that's between these powerful Uh, monarchs. Yeah. And this is playing through in the rest of the battle. Right. So so then, well, it gets a little bit more complicated than that. (laughs) Let us have it, Priya. (laughs) (laughs) So Drupada, he has, um, so his son's name is Dristadumna. Okay. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but listen, I'm trying my best. <laughs> All right. So Dristadumna, uh, who is now the person who's supposed to kill the army teacher, Dronacharya, was actually taught how to fight and everything he knew about battle from Dronacharya no himself. Way. So did Dronacharya know when he was teaching this guy that he, he, he could kill him? Yeah, oh, wow. like he knew, he knew that he well. knew this person was born to kill him, and he still trained and he still him. Trained him? Like why? Why would you do that? Right? I mean, that ties into you know how we talked a lot about doing your duty, doing your dharma, no matter how hard it was. I mean, this great personality knows this. This person has come into my life to kill me. I am still going to train him because that is my duty. Right? Wow. So I mean, he. I mean, obviously he. He has some clear piousness in there, some yep. sense of duty, mm-hmm. something in him, right? But it gets even more interesting because the reason Durjodhana, so Evil D's son, is even bringing this up is because he's kind of telling him like, listen, you trained him even though you knew he was going to kill you. That's kind of a weakness of yours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, can we not do this in the battlefield? Like, please <laughs> do not. Because at the end of the day, Dronacharya taught all of them. He taught Arjuna. He taught all the Pandu's sons, right? He taught everyone. And as Shamli had mentioned before, he um, Arjuna was actually his favorite student. So and now they're on opposite sides of the battle. Exactly, That's crazy. Exactly, right? Yep. So right. he's basically kind of saying like, don't let this get in the way just because you have affection towards your students. Yeah. Listen, they're being led by the person who's meant to kill you. Like, Right. Like you already <laughs> messed up once. Don't mess up again. Don't be yeah. lenient. Which kind because- of points to the arrogance of Duryodhan. He goes up to his teacher in the martial arts and kind of tells him this comment. You start seeing their personalities shine oh, through their words. Yeah. yeah. He's basically, yeah, don't be lenient. Don't be because lenient because then you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get killed. That's yeah. a big deal. Like, yep. Yeah, there it says Arjuna especially was his most affectionate and brilliant student. Because Arjuna had, we talk a lot about the mood, the right learning attitude, humility, strength, all the things. Right. So that's the T. So now you get the context of like, oh, why did he just say like, look, Drupada's son is leading their army. Like it's, he was kind of like, look, watch out. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's meant to kill you. That is just one aspect in the story of these great (laughs) monarchs that makes the whole thing so complex. Right. So So, Priya, text text four. four. Let's do it. Here in this army are many heroic bowmen, equal in fighting to Bhima and Arjuna. Great fighters like Yuyudana, Virata, and Drupada. Okay, so here is, it's Duryodhan that's talking, right? Yeah. He's Mm. basically saying all of the names of the people that are on the good side. Right. Right. And how that they're heroic bowmen. 
Yeah. So he's I mean, name dropping the, the opposition right now. Right, right, okay. right. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that he's self-aware to know that these people are really great fighters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is self-aware. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, these people are really good. Um, so essentially in this verse, he's naming people on the good side. Yeah. Correct? And, and he's also kind of, it's sort of said in the purple that like he's kind of telling this to his teacher as kind of a reminder of why he needs to be kind of prepared. Because maybe... Um, the what was his name Drista Dumna who is meant to kill Dronacharya maybe that might not be his biggest obstacle but there's a bunch of other very powerful fighters there's, right and yeah. so there's many who are causes of fear and what's interesting is Duryodhan is still thinking about himself in in a moment we'll see Arjuna also wants to go look at the battlefield but their motives for doing that will be very different Duryodhan's thinking about himself his victory how can I win let's assess let's strategize and we're about to see the very different approach by the Absolutely. pious Arjuna. Yeah, and if you're listening and you're overwhelmed with all these different names, just know that there's going to be a lot of names in this chapter. We're going to do our best to try to explain all of them. But just know that this is setting up the, the big conversation between Krishna and Arjuna. And so yeah. text number five is kind of a continuation of text number four. He's continuously name dropping. So there are also great heroic, powerful fighters like Drishtaketu, Chet. Chakitana, Chakitana, Kashiraja, Purujit, Kantiboja, and Saiba. So I think he's continuously name dropping all of the good people that are on Arjuna's side, right? And I think the one really big point to make is we'll try to address all the ones that are the most relevant yeah, because the there's so important. many people, right? Like this mm -hmm. is a battlefield with thousands and thousands of people and they're just kind of trying to bring awareness that there was great fighters and all this stuff, but we might not see most of these names again. So mm -hmm. we're just going to try to like give you remembrance to the ones that are really making. Right. And we'll just bring it back to, we have the Kurus, which represent the bad side, not Dharma or Adharma. Then we have the Pandavas, the good side. That's yep. all. Love it. All right. So, text number six. Nice. There are the mighty Yudamanyu, the very powerful Utamauja, the son of Subhadra and the sons of Draupadi, Draupadi being the wife of Arjuna. All these warriors are great chariot fighters. So again, more name dropping, right? <laughs> more dra name dropping of all of the, p the people that are on the good side. Right, right. All right. So, text, text seven. Text seven. But for your information, oh, best of the Brahmanas, let me tell you about the captains who are especially qualified to lead my military <laughs> force. Okay. So he's aware that um, he's talking about all the good side, but he's also pretty confident in himself. So let he says, but... Let me tell you who's on my side. And that takes us to text number eight. There are personalities like you, Bhishma, Karna, Kripa, Ashwatam, Vikarna, and the sons of Somadatta, called Brishwara, who are always victorious in battle. So these are the bad guys that he just listed out. Yeah. And it later on talks about like what, when we say bad guys, like we're not just being lighthearted. I mean, it's really serious. We'll talk more about that later. But, yeah. but the interesting part of this is how these some of these people are connected to either side, right? So, uh, Right, because you have the, the good side, the bad side, and the gray in between. It gets a little confusing. So Vikarna is the brother of Durjodhana. So Durjodhana is one of the 100, right? So Vikarna is one of the 100 as well, Yep. right? And then, so that makes sense. Oh, both evil, they're on the same side. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
Ashwatam is the son of Dronacharya. So Dronacharya is the army Archer. teacher. Yeah, the, so ar the army teacher. Son, so his son is actually on the evil side as well. That's like interesting, right? Okay. Then we got Karna. I mean, there's a bunch of others, but I'm just kind of highlighting some. And this one's the most interesting to me. Karna is the half-brother of Arjuna. Arjuna. What? So shouldn't he be playing on the good side? Right. But if you want to know more, you got to go read the Mahabharata. Okay. <laughs> so wait, does Karna know that his half-brother is Arjuna? Yeah. But does Arjuna know? Don't. Arjuna, I don't think, knows till later on. I mean, even Karna found out right before the battle. It's not like what it was common knowledge. The way they went their whole adulthood, basically, lives not knowing until that they recently. were related. So, right. so just, I want to emphasize that this is all family. Oh, yes. All Very of much these so. people grew up together. You know what I mean? Right. That's even a point when we were saying the the grandfather Bhishma, or or sorry, the militant trainer, uh, Dronacharya. got it. When he trained both sides, they lived together in the same kingdom they trained together woke up together ate together they lived their lives together it's important to really start picturing a little bit the context of this family doing very together. intertwined yeah. families all right text number nine there are many other heroes who are prepared to lay down their lives for my sake all of them are well equipped with different kinds of weapons and are all experienced in military science so this is still who speaking? Duryodhan speaking, yeah. yeah. Evil Duryodhan, yep. Right. Evil D's son. Evil D's son. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see Duryodhana was confident of his victory on account of the above-mentioned combined strength of his friends. So, like, he was really thinking, like, I got this. Look at all these powerful people. Even though he knows the other side has really powerful people, too, he's like, nah, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, hype-manning himself. He's, he like, really getting is. excited. <laughs> so this brings us to text 10. Our strength is immeasurable, and we are perfectly protected by Grandfather Bhishma, whereas the strength of the Pandavas, carefully protected by Bhima, is limited. Okay, so, so there's two names here that I always get confused by. Can you explain those right. two? Bhishma and Bhima. So we had said Bhima is one of the five Pandavas, the voracious eater, kind of like the Her Hercules character, so strong, no one's bigger than Bhima. The Hulk. Yeah, the, the Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> right. Then we have grandfather Bhishma, who, let's break this down in a second. He is the father of the blind king Dhritarashtra and the good king Pandu. So he's like the head honcho. That's right. right. He's grand, like epic grandfather Bhishma. And okay. he's on what side? Oh. He's on the evil side. <laughs> That's really interesting, right? <gasps> you would think that he would be on the good side, but grandfather Bhishma is on the evil side. Very interesting. Wow. And, and it's especially interesting because... Technically, he had two sons, right? And the one son is blind, therefore he cannot be the ruler. And the other son it becomes the ruler by default. So, like, it's interesting how he kind of chose sides. Like, I'm very curious about it. Interesting. All right. Text 11. Oh, wait. Actually, can I share something yeah, about absolutely. text 10? I, I'm like, this is like a fun fact for me. Um, Durjodhana. Right. So, Bhishma, sorry, is evil D's uncle, his uncle. I Got wanted it. to yeah, just rectify that. Yeah. Sorry. Evil Even, you know uncle. what? We have been surrounded by this for how many years? Oh. And we still, with all of the names, I, I myself, it's easy to get them so confused. Wait, wait, correct. let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's clarify that. Bhishma is Evil D's uncle. Evil D's uncle, which means that he's like his father's brother, which still, that makes mm, sense why he's the, the grandfather, right, right. because... Yes. Okay, that and makes sense. And he's, he's, just, he's on the evil side. Okay, right, 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 right. Okay, wait, just one more time. Mm -hmm. So he is his uncle, meaning he is his father's brother. Yep. And therefore, he's like, like grandpa uncle? 
grand uncle? Like, like, is that a terminology? I was like, grandpa uncle? I definitely, like, that's a grumble. It's a word in Spanish. I'm sorry. Okay, anyways, let's get back to it. This is about to lay out all the philosophy. I think it's so easy when you first dive into it. You're like, okay, names, names, names. Let's get to it. But yeah, it's good to understand. It's interesting to understand it, yeah. Okay, one last thing for for text 10 I wanted to say was... um, Durjodhana was always envious of Bhima because he knew that if he should die at all, he would only be killed by Bhima. Okay, mm. Bhima's super strong because he's super big. Exactly. Yeah. So right. it's super interesting. So like, funny. He's basically like, eh, no one other than this Hercules character can kill me. And that's why he's been jealous of him his whole yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like being afraid, he was envious because I think he's like also very cocky. So he's like, oh, right. you know, anyways, <laughs> just thought it was a random fun fact. All right. Love it. Text oh. 11. Yeah. All of you must now give full support to Grandfather Vishma as you stand at your respective strategic points of entrance into the flanks of the army. All right. Okay. So this is an interesting verse, right? Because do we want to talk about the, the gambling match a little bit here? I think we yeah. can mention it. Can yeah. I can I start with saying so basically, um when I was reading the purport, I was trying to understand the context here, and he was saying like he definitely feels that the the reason that they're likely to win is because, and I'm saying he as in Durjodhana feels this, mm-hmm. because um, of the presence of his grandfather, Rishma, and of his teacher, army teacher, Dronacharya. And the main reason is exactly because of what you brought up, right? Mm-hmm. So some time ago, they had a gambling match. And something that we learned in the previous uh, introduction is that if a Kshatriya is invited to a gambling match. They have to, by an enemy, they have to accept it. So who's the gambling match in be- between? It's between the Pandavas and the Kurus. Got it. So right. the evil side and the bad side. Yeah. The, the bad side have been like hassling the good Pandavas forever. So long before the story takes place, so many events happen where they're basically, yeah, harassing them. Right. So this gambling match, um, so this happens in the Mahabharat. This is not something that we see here in the Bhagavad Gita, but it kind of references like where Durjodhana's confidence comes from. And what basically happens, and maybe Shamala, you can help me add some here, is they have a gambling match and they kind of cheat the Pandavas into um, disrobing uh, Draupadi. Right, because they have at that point already, I think, taken everything away from Yudhisthira, the the noble, one of the noble Pandavas. And they had the, the, I think it was the dice were rigged. So they right. kept losing everything, 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 their kingdom. And finally... They take the last strand, which is their righteous, chaste wife, Draupadi, and they bring right. her into the courtroom in a very, well, bad yeah. way to and say they try the least. To, they try to humiliate her. They yeah. try so to they try to remove her, her clothes yeah. and strip her naked. And the reason Drujolina feels so confident that he has a chance to win because of having his grandfather and his army teacher there with him is because when mm. this was happening, right? Did you they have to remember. Anything? You have to remember these people were technically in all of their lives in the pandu's lives too they're it's pandu's grand um, arjuna's grandfather too you know what right. i mean yep. they did do they didn't do anything they didn't do anything at all they didn't do anything to stop that humiliation they did not so and basically so, in their silence and non-action they were showing where their loyalties lie. exactly and that's why durjodhana feels like so confident that because of his grandfather and because of his teacher they're going to come towards victory which as you also read this is so weird because these technically were righteous men so to for these grand personalities to stay quiet it, it, it was strange but yeah that's why duryodhana is so confident now moving forwards. Gotcha. Right. All right. So text number 12. Then grandfather Bhishma, the great valiant grandshire of the Kuru dynasty, the grandfather of the fighters, 
blew his conch shell very loudly, making a sound like the roar of a lion, giving Duryodhana joy. <laughs> I want to, we, let's dive a second into the purport because it says the opposite. Because Duryodhana might on the outside have felt joy. Oh, the loud blowing of the conch. But it says in the purport indirectly by the symbolism of the conch shell, and it was blown so loudly and excitedly, he informed his depressed grandson Duryodhana that he had no chance of victory in battle. So kind of seeing it like when the parent comes in, it's like, you got this, you're going to be okay. But you could just tell. Um, because of oh, his, like, they're lying. They'd be lying to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, and so, why do we blow? Like, I think there's going to be a lot of this, like, blowing of the conch shell, and this is the first time that we're hearing it. Just, let me tell you, just chapter one is filled with people blowing conch shells. <laughs> and so, what does that signify? It's like the start of something, right? right. You usually start. Um, you, you, tr you try to start something and you blow a conch shell to signify that something something is going to happen, something is going to begin. I think it's also like a, a war cry, like an encouraging mm -hmm. sound. It's like, we're ready, yeah! You know, like right. instead of, yeah, it's like conch shells. each other up. Exactly, like the more conch shells on your side that are blowing, the more like you know you're ready for battle. I don't yeah. know, I'm no, just it's true. And this was 5,000 years ago, so they don't have like a DJ going, bur, 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 you know, <laughs> they have conch shells and that's the loudest thing that they could find. And I'm sure there's many deep meanings also. They had so many ancient traditions is probably the sound vibrations piercing into the ether. There's probably many different layers there to unpack. But, right. but that brings us to more conch shells in text 13. After that, the conch shells, drums, bugles, trumpets, and horns were all suddenly sounded, and the combined sound was tumultuous. All right, so it's, it's something, it's about to go down. <laughs> so wait, this is the evil side so yeah. sounding all their stuff, yes. right? Like they're getting okay. amped up. Okay, oh, so cool. they take turns, right, right, not all at once. Well, so. just wait, just wait. Let's yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the text 14, I'm, I'm excited, I'm excited. <laughs> Don't put any spoilers. All right, text 14. On the other side, both Lord Krishna and Arjuna, stationed on a great chariot drawn by white horses, sounded their transcendental conch shells. Oh, I love this verse because a lot of times when you look at a picture of the Gita or any pictures of the Gita, whether they're inside or just any anything, it's like always Krishna and Arjuna and these mm. beautiful white horses and a chariot. And so it's like showcasing, okay, here's the other side. And, uh, right. and I love it. And I love in the purport, we can dive in for a moment. There's some golden nuggets. It says, Krishna was on the side of the Pandavas. Victory is always with persons like the sons of Pandu because Lord Krishna is associated with them. So basically it's saying wherever there's justice, morality, goodness, and divinity, that side will always prosper. I love that. That's so nice. Yeah. And it, and it also says the the goddess of fortune is also there because the goddess of fortune is married to the Lord, Lord Krishna. And so she can never, she will always be with her husband. Right. Yeah. Now tying back to like our childhoods, if you go in Dallas, Texas to my ice skating friends, right, the goddess of fortune married Krishna, God, of course, you know, it, it takes some unpacking, it takes some unpacking. <laughs> It was always such a fact for me. Yeah, yeah that, that just makes sense. Right. Yeah. When, when when you grew up, like, did your parents call like you know money? Like, did, you call, did, did they call it Lakshmi? Like, 100%. don't put the Lakshmi on the table. A hundred percent. Can I have some Lakshmi? Yeah, yeah Lakshmi, that became like a, the goddess of wealth fortune, and fortune, yeah. right? And right. so it was like such a normal thing growing up. Like, yeah. if it, like in a household that believed in this stuff, right? right? Or even like books that represent knowledge. So now, as a teacher, I see kids tossing books. I'm like, don't throw the book. Don't let it touch the floor. That and I kind of touch it to my yeah. head. Yeah, exactly. I always thought that like, that was so interesting because like my mom, if I dropped a book, she would put it to my head and be right. like, no, that's a goddess. Like, don't yeah. do that. Those little things. I still do that. Like automatic on autopilot. I touch books. To oh my head. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Love that. Okay. All so right. text number 15, 
Lord Krishna blew his conch shell, called the Panchjanya, and Arjuna blew his, the Devadatta, and then Bhima, the <laughs> voracious, voracious eater, eater and performer <laughs> of Herculean tasks, blew his terrific conch shell called Pondra. Okay, so essentially, everyone everyone's conch shell has a name. Okay. <laughs> can I, can I say, it might sound weird, but like you guys, have you never named an inanimate, and what is it, what, what is the word? Inanimate uh, object? Yeah, I name my cars all the time. All the time. People yeah. name their cars, come yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, my I remember actually my parents' first card was named Garuda. And if you know, Garuda is like the vehicle of Krishna, of Vishnu, oh. technically, right? Yeah. So like that's what they named it. And I, my car had a name too, but mine was not as spiritual. Mm. Um, mine was Kumkum. <laughs> and it was because it was the first car I had after I got married. And yeah. it was a red car, red and oh. black car. So oh it kind of looked this. like the red Kumkum is like a powder that right, like, like you know, married India, women you put on their like foreheads. Your car Kumkum. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> That's really cute. Actually. Yeah. This so. purport has a lot to dive into and unpack. I don't know about you guys, but the one that I love is in the right off the bat. It says Lord Krishna he is referred to as Rishikesh in this verse because he is the owner of all senses. And a little further yeah. down, wait before you go further down, if you don't mind, I want like just an exercise because that sentence alone, I feel like. You can just read it and maybe not fully think about what it means, but think about not having any of your senses. Mm. Like mm. just, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't taste, you can't touch. Like, what are you? A slug right. or something. <laughs> like, you're basically nothing. I mean, our senses are a huge part of this material body, right? So it's like a very interesting thing to say that he is the owner of all senses, right? And, and even more, it continues that he is situated in the hearts of all living entities, directs their senses. But this is the next part I found interesting. He directs their senses in terms of the surrender of the living entity. So here on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, the Lord is directing, Arjuna's senses, but that line, it's not like he forces you to completely give up all of your senses. He does that to your own will and surrender. So to the level that we give ourselves in complete surrender and devotion and like, you know, I don't have all the answers. Please help guide me, my Lord. That's the extent right. that he will help guide you. Yeah. And so I think um, maybe we can sort of stop here on this first and then we can just talk a little bit about like Krishna's nicknames. Oh, yeah. Because well, he's got a lot of a nicknames. Few nicknames. Yeah. Yep. And so um, the first one that is brought up in this example is Madhusudana. And he's called that because he killed a, na a demon named Madhu. Right. And then there is Govinda because he gives pleasures to the cows. That's what that name means. And so each name of Krishna has like a different meaning. And in this case, Hrishikesh is because he gives direction to Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Yeah, and right? this is important because throughout the entire Gita, Krishna and each other, uh, Krishna and Arjuna call each other different nicknames, right? Yeah. Like that's the closeness of their their relationship too. That's so sweet. The modern day equivalent, oh, um, whatever it would be, oh, Shama of beautiful big eyes that sees the transcendental truth. Like they have all these elaborate, beautiful <laughs> ways of addressing each other. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know, and the last part I would say here, it's also um, by blowing these conch shells, they were all encouraging the soldiers to fight. Um, and by doing this, the other side had no Krishna, no goddess of fortune, and they were pretty much destined to lose the battle. 
It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like everyone knows what's going to happen. basically. And what weight to that, that the Lord is able to give you clarity of senses, the owner of all senses. How often when we're bewildered by what to do in any situation in life, we feel our senses like, I don't have clarity. What am I supposed to do? Our senses are not on track. And how beautiful to feel that if we surrender and are devoted, the Lord, in fact, is thinking of us in our best interest and will give us that sense clarity and how to move forward. Love that. All right. Well, can we do one more text 16 through 18? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Shamli, take us away. So King Yudhisthira, the son of Kunti, blew his conch shell, the Ananta Vijaya, and Nakula and Sahadev blew the Sugosha and Manipushpaka, the great archer, the king of Kashi, the great fighter, Sikandi, Dristadumna, Virata, the unconquerable Satyatki, Drupada, the sons of Draupadi, and others, O king, such as the mighty armed sons of Subhadra, all blew their respective conch shells. Okay, remind me, this is the good side, right? Yes, this, this is, is the, the good, good side. side. Okay, got so it. Krishna's side is all blowing their conch shells also. Okay, perfect. Okay, so all of these are name dropping on the good side. And then the last <laughs> line of the purport is so interesting, is this whole catastrophe was due to King Dhrashtra because he encouraged the, the this policy. So basically, this is talking about how this whole war is because of that evil blind king that we heard about in the very first verse. Right. And it's interesting, it says the signs already indicated that the whole Kuru dynasty would be killed in that battle. Yep. Wow. That's wow. really intense. All and right. we'll just leave it on that happy note. <laughs> yes, that ends episode one where we where we covered a little bit of chapter one. We're going to take it away and then we'll continue right where we left off on the next episode. So don't miss a, a beat of this epic story. We'll just continue gaining momentum. All right. Definitely. Thanks for listening. Thank we'll see you, you. next time. Thank you.